All right, everybody, welcome to the Demand Excellence Podcast. Today is May 22nd, Wednesday, May 22nd, and I'm here with Coach Brett Collier, our defensive coordinator, and we are going to talk about laboring in vain. Um, but before I talk about that, I want to talk a little bit about the Demand Excellence Podcast. And I want to tell you guys, just kind of talk about what we're trying to do with these Wednesday sessions that we're having. And I do one on Saturday as well. But I think about Romans 12. I appeal, Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what I keep saying is transformational leadership. And, and I mean transformational. And what transformational, I take it from that verse right there. In Christ, we transform who we are um, so that we can lead for Jesus Christ and be in a light and an ambassador for his kingdom just by our actions and our words, and how we treat people, and how we love people. So that's what these transformational leadership podcasts are all about. Um, also try to interview high school coaches, um, you know, that are Christian coaches, and just to show that, hey, these guys are successful, and you can do it this way. So today, me and Coach Collier are here, and we're going to talk about laboring in vain. And it really stems from an article I read from John Piper. He actually wrote it in 1980. Do not eat the bread of anxious toil. And you can go to Psalm 127.1, and you can find where it says, um, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor in vain, unless the watchman watches over the city, the watchman watches in vain. And so I want to talk, I want to talk about that a little bit before I move into the, eating the bread of anxious toil, but it's laboring in vain. And to me, there's such a fine balance of of work and trusting in God. And, um, and I do not have it figured out. And I wrote a question this morning, you know, as I was, as I was preparing for this and just thinking about it, here's the tough question. What is the relationship between work and our trust in Christ? And, and then I wrote, there's such a fine balance between work and anxious toil, a senseless striving and uh, I'm going to let Brett talk right now, and then I'll come back in with some more of my thoughts. Yeah, it all, um, it all kind of comes back to, I think at some point when you're working, and um, you get to this point where sometimes you feel like you're working in vain, and, or like Ecclesiastes says, you're chasing the wind. Um, at some point, you kind of ask yourself, what's the point? You know, why am I doing this? Is this worth it? Um, and I think anybody has to admit, if they're being honest, that in any line of work, uh, you ask yourself those questions. I know I do as a football coach and a school teacher. Um, I ask that, myself that question as a dad, uh, all sorts of things. You know, why am I even, like, is this even worth it? Am I doing something wrong? I've got a really good resource, a good book someone gave me probably three years ago that I did not pick up and start reading until last night. It's been sitting on my bedside table as basically a coaster for three years. It's called Every Good Endeavor. It's written by Tim Keller. Um, and so in it, Keller writes a lot about this topic, this subject, what we're talking about. So I'm going to use that a lot. Um, he references Ecclesiastes a lot. So the, the very first, or excuse me, one of the ch chapters that I come to is chapter 6, and the title of the chapter is Work Becomes Pointless. And uh, he writes, he, he quotes Ecclesiastes 2.17. Here's what he said. 
He says, uh, he writes, So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So I think that all you know brings the question, you know, why do we do what we do? And then in Ecclesiastes, well, of course, you know, Keller talks about too, when you read Ecclesiastes, you have to be careful because it's written um, a certain way and it's a hard book to read and you can't take everything in it to be the absolute truth. You know, it's written sometimes with like a twist of irony and, and a different style of writing. So you got to be really careful when you read it. But the author of Ecclesiastes goes through and he talks about basically three different, um, three different things that we can strive for um, when we're working um, that kind of make our work pointless and meaningless. And they are, one, pleasure. You work for your own pleasure. Two, um, you work for wisdom. That could make your, your work uh, not fun, pointless, meaningless. And he says another thing that makes your work um, pointless or meaningless or like coaches talk about working in vain, um, one thing that makes it feel like that is the work is just straight hard, right? It's a grind. Um, when, when you, when you leave it all out there, it is very hard, very difficult. And then at the end of the, at the end of it all, what's the writer of Ecclesiastes say? You die, you know, at the end of all, you're gone, you know? So what have you really worked for? I got a ton of stuff here that I'm going to go through, but I know coach Guest has some things to say, so I'll come back to this, um, coach. Yeah, for me, it comes, it comes down to this and, uh, or, or I'm, I'm going to get to the root of what I'm talking about when I talk about laboring in vain, because I think about myself. Uh, because I labor in vain, and I, and it goes back to this. It goes back to our hearts are evil and bent towards sin. And what I mean by that is I'm chasing my own glory, and I'm chasing building my own kingdom, and I want as much as possible, and I want as much success as possible, and I will do anything to get it. Now, this is my flesh, and so I will work and work and work and work. But the end game for me is for my own glory. And I know that is sin. So, you know, it's, so that's the root of it. So now how do, I, how do I balance dying to this sinful desire to obsessively uh, pursue success and work enough to where it honors God, takes care of my family, and I can still have success. And, and so, you know, you can really only go, go to prayer. And so I, I just started praying. And, and this, the verse I love to pray is Psalm 32, 8. Teach me and instruct me in the way that we should go. Counsel me with your eye upon me. I pray that every single morning because I know that left to myself, I'm destructive. And what I mean by destructive is, is I'm, I'm very, you know, uh, I'm impulsive and I am obsessive. Uh, and that means I might be home. I might take myself home to be with my family, but I'm not with my family because my mind is on work. I'm constantly thinking about how how I can, uh, whatever it is that I'm thinking about that day, like for me, this you know, the past six months, you know, I wrote a book, so I'm trying to sell my book so I can be consumed with how many different ways I can sell my book. How, what's the best way to market it? And I can constantly uh, think about stuff like that. And then when it's football season, I can be 100% thinking about football 24 seven and I never rest. You know, I have problems sleeping sometimes. And, and so, so that balance and, and that's where it is not healthy because here's what will happen guys. 
Because if I didn't have a wife and a child, I could pursue my profession 100 miles an hour and only worry about me and only worry about my profession. But here's the challenge. God has not called us first and foremost to our jobs. He has called us first and foremost to building his kingdom, loving our wives, and being a faithful and, and, and uh, loving father. So that's where you know, the disconnect happens, and that's where the frustration happens. And, and so I wrote these things down. You know, we must be faithful. We must trust God. We must work in communion with God, and we must rest in the sovereignty of God. So finding that balance between work and finding that balance between trusting in the sovereignty of God. Where can I cross the line? Because as a sinner, I'm constantly, constantly almost about to cross that line, or I have crossed the line, and I am now eating the bread of anxious toil. I am working in vain. I am pursuing my own glory to the detriment of my Christian walk with Jesus Christ. Yeah, so Coach said a lot about balance there. I'm going to read something that uh, Tim Keller writes in his book. This is on page 106-107 in chapter, Work Becomes Pointless. He says that uh, satisfaction in work in a fallen world is always a miraculous gift of God. So there he, he acknowledges the gift of God and the sovereignty of God of when you work and you find satisfaction in that work, that is God's gift to you. And, and I think we need to look at where do we find that satisfaction. We've talked about this before with our identity. You know, we've talked about who's, and again, we talk about this not preaching to you guys, we're preaching to ourselves. You know, whose kingdom are we building? You know, I spend a whole lot of time trying to build my kingdom rather than his kingdom. But where do we find our satisfaction? He goes on to say this, tranquility or peace um, without toil will not bring us satisfaction. Neither will toil without tranquility. There has to be both toil and tranquility. So he's so I think the problem that we have as football coaches is we we want to work as hard as we can because we have this this desire to be excellent. But at the end of the day, after all of our work is done, we have to be able to, to rest in God's sovereignty, like Coach is saying. But there has to be a peace after we work. There has to be both hard work. Yes, we're called to be workers, and that work is hard because of the fall. But then there has to be that peace. Coach talked about balance. Here's what Keller writes. He says, how we attain such a balanced life is one of the main themes of Scripture. He says, first, it means recognizing and renouncing our tendency to have an evil heart and to make idols of money and power or success, winning, championships, whatever it may be. He says, we have to recognize and renounce our tendency to make idols. This is why the first commandment has to do with idolatry, right? No gods before me, because our heart will put another god in the place of the true God. Our hearts are made to worship. We're going to worship something. And if I'm not careful and coaching and careful, it will be football for us. It will be the God of ourselves because we, we make idols in our hearts. We have to recognize that and go to war against that and fight against that. And here's what Keller writes at the very end of that chapter. He said, most of all, you know, searching and trying to find this balanced life will mean pursuing something um, that is beyond the scope of what uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes can identify. The New Testament reveals the ultimate source of our tranquility we seek is Jesus Christ, who, because he's toiled for us on the cross, can offer us the true rest of our souls. Without the gospel of Jesus, we will have, we have to toil not for the joy of serving others, nor the satisfaction of a job well done, 
but to make a name for ourselves. So without Jesus Christ, it's ultimately about us. So I'm you know, still trying, for me, trying to get to the root. I, I want to describe to you, give you a picture of what anxious toil is, a senseless striving, and, and really how it leads to your detriment. And I think about um, this year when we were in the playoffs, and you know, I have rules for myself because if I watch film on Saturday, as soon as I watch film of the opponent, my brain doesn't stop. And it's, it's not like, it's, it's not, I'm not making it. That's just how I'm wired. So I have to guard myself. So I cannot watch, I don't watch film on Saturday because if I were to watch, I watched the Friday night game from in the past game, but I don't watch my opponent until Sunday because after church because I know how I, I won't sleep. My brain won't stop. I'll be a miserable wretch for my family. Well, this year in the playoffs, you know, we got to buy in the first round. So um, you know, we had Friday night off. Well, I also know not to go scout an opponent on Friday night. Not just, just hey, just chill. Have a great weekend. Have a great Friday night. Have a great Saturday. And, and, and you know, and let's get to work on Sunday once we find out who wins. Well, I told everybody to not text me about the game that was going on Friday night. But two men in particular, I won't say their names, but they know who they are. They were texting me about the game on Friday night. And um, so they're, they're, they're saying all these things, and I'm seeing the text. So I, I'm just like, screw it, man. I'm just going to watch the game. So I turned the game on, and I did not sleep on Friday night. I, I went straight to work on Saturday. I worked all day Saturday. I, I told my wife that, hey, don't talk to me. You know, it's playoff time. I'm fully focused on this. And then, you know, Sunday, Monday. And then it was just, and that set the tone for me in the playoffs. And I was just obsessive. And I went to a to a horrible state. And, you know, and it's just this, and it was great. I mean, people would think, oh, man, you're not sleeping. You're working. And, and, and the world says that's great. But the problem is it's not great. You're killing yourself. Because you're trusting in your own strength and your own power, and I'm a Christian, and I was and I was enslaved to this pursuit of trying to win a state championship, and and I look back and it was all anxious toil, and um, and I had become obsessive over things. Like at the beginning of the year, I was dr drawing up twelve plays that I that I knew I wanted to try to run offensively in a game, and then by the end of the playoff run, I was drawing up seventy six. That is obsessive and insane. Like who? We don't even run seventy six plays in a football game, but but the point is, is like that's how crazy we can become in pursuit of worldly glory, right? Because I wanted to win a state championship. I wanted to take our team to a state championship, but in the process, I became uh, just just ridiculous, uh, ridiculously obsessive. And then, so the Sunday before the state championship game, we had to play on Wednesday, my body just went into complete all-out um, revolt. And I had to go to the hospital, and I was in the hospital. So the funny thing is, you know, I'm in the hospital the Sunday before the state championship game, spend the night there, you know. And so I kind of, I, I can't do anything, so I, I can't draw up 76 plays. I don't draw up any. And I just kind of put put the game plan together. Now we had practiced the week before, and we go out and we play, and we're fine. And and so that was a lesson for me, like all these stupid things we do. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about anxious toil, a senseless striving. Hey, you go from drawing up twelve plays 
to 76 plays. This is on Friday. So these are crazy things. And this is, I just, that's the stuff that I'm talking about. And those are the things that aren't just going to take a physical toll on your body. They're going to separate you from being a good husband, a loving father, and a man who's going to impact the community for Jesus Christ. You know, we need to think about, you know, where does this come from inside of us? And why, why is this there? Um, you know, it needs to be said that work itself is not bad. You know, work was part of the created order of things. God put Adam in the garden to work it. Um, and then the fall happens. When the fall happens, what does he say? By the, by the sweat of your brow will you eat bread. So then work becomes um, hard. It becomes a toil. It becomes, you know, sweaty. It's a grind. You know, then work becomes hard. Well, if you read the Genesis story, it doesn't take long for uh, work to become very evil. So in Genesis 1, work's part of the joyful you know, creation of the world that God has made. Um, by Genesis 11, all right, 10 chapters later, um, we have the Tower of Babel. Like men have worked and, and put all their effort into building something to try to get their, get their way to God. So it didn't take long for, for folks to build their way or to, to, to work their way into sin on, on, on that scale. But, uh, you know, l- let's read what Keller has to say about that. He says, first, uh, the statement that they make uh, to build a tower that reaches the heavens suggests that they were assigning a spiritual value to their work that they would be better off getting from God. So this, th- this is what we do. We take our work and we make our work something that, that we get value from that, that we can only get that value otherwise from God. And that's where we should get our value from. But we don't. Why? Because it's all about pride, right? And something that I struggle with is the approval of man. Not only do you want to do a good job and have pride in doing your good job, you want to do a good job so that everyone else around you and everyone else in the state knows that you did a good job. You want everyone that talks about your program to know you did a good job. Keller says the pride and the need for personal significance necessarily leads to competition disunity and strife. So a life of self-glorification, which is what we struggle with, makes unity and love between people impossible. It leaves us with a dreary choice between making the self an idol, which leads to disunity, disunity of individual cultures, and making the group an idol. So that's really our two choices. If we want to have that much success and it's all about us and glorifying ourselves, it's either about making ourselves an idol or our group or our team an idol. The two things, Keller says, the two things we all want so desperately are glory and relationship, and they can only coexist with God and in God. And that's really where we have to rest. You know, it's a lot easier said than done, but uh, I think there's some profound insight there from Keller. And so, you know, talking about work, work is our mandate. You know, God has put us here and, and he's put us here to work. And, and so you have to ask this question. Am I working for my glory or am I working for God's glory? And I think, I mean, it's just as simple as that. And then when you think about work, I think about Moses. I think about how Moses, God called Moses to go back to Egypt. And Moses was going to be God's spokesman. And God was going to you know, do the, the ten plagues, but, and he was going to do them through Moses. God was going to do it through Moses, but Moses was the agent. Moses had to do do some work. But also, 
most of the work was going to come from God. Like God was going to do the work, but Moses had to be available and he had to be empowered by God to do it. So, and then I think about Joseph in the Bible. Joseph, you know, there was going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And so God didn't just say, hey, Joseph, I'll take care of it. You know, I'll give you a lot of food and then, you know, save up a little bit so you can uh, have for the seven years of plenty. No, think about the diligent work that Joseph had to do to, to gather all the, the, the extra during the seven years of plenty so that he could save for the seven years of famine. Now, God gave the plenty, but Joseph had to do the work. So I'm not saying that we can't not work. I'm just saying don't be like me and on Friday night start watching film or on Saturday start watching film and therefore you're eating the bread of anxious toil and you're senselessly striving and, and you're neglecting your family and your wife all because of why. But exactly what, what Brett said, what's driving you is you want the glory of the world. And everybody wants the glory of the world. Everybody wants the approval of man. It's why we post stupid things on Facebook. It's why we post stupid things on Instagram. It's why we post stupid things on Twitter. You know, sometimes I'm guilty that, hey, I post I post things that I shouldn't post because it's a boast. You know, sometimes people... Um, post their house and like, oh, look at my house. Or, you know, they're doing some type of renovation on their house and they keep putting it on Facebook. And we're all wondering like, nobody cares, man. Why are you putting this on Facebook? Or they're taking pictures of their families and everything looks perfect, you know. And we're all wondering like, why do you keep putting pictures of your family up over and over and over and every day? Because they're creating this facade. They're creating this fake reality that says, look how great I am. And they, what they really want is the world to envy them. So they are chasing after the approval of man. And that, that's doing it for your own glory. So I go back to me as a football coach, and you might be uh, a business leader or a teacher or, or a preacher or whatever, but why are you doing it? I think we have to ask that question all throughout the day, like in a post. Why am I posting this on Twitter? Is it for my glory or is it to draw attention to God's glory? Or, you know, why am I putting this picture on Facebook? Facebook? Or why am I working uh, over and above time? Is it necessary or am I chasing my own glory? So is it for God's glory or is it for my glory? Question must be asked all day long. You know, the, the famous quote from Ecclesiastes that the author uses over and over is vanity of vanities. And, and he goes on to say, all of this is meaningless. Why do we do all these things under the sun? Um, and then at one point in chapter 2, a lot of things are listed that uh, the author chased, that, that he tried to do, that he tried to get, that he built. He lists a whole bunch of things, wine, works, houses, vineyards, parks, pools, uh, forests, silver, gold, treasure, slaves, flocks, uh, even lists wisdom. He, he searched out for wisdom, singers, concubines. There's a whole list of things um, that they search for. And at the end of the matter, what does he say? It's all pointless. It's all meaningless. And then you read on in the book and you get to chapter 3. And, and I love this quote um, or this verse. It says, he writes, I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken away. God has done it so the people can fear him. It's, it's one of these sweeping statements over how 
silly it is to work for these things that are trying to change things or try to do this or that. Because at the end of the day, what's happened, God has already sovereignly done all these things. What, what does he say in chapter 6? Um, this is in verse 10 of chapter 6. Whatever has come to be has already been named. To be named is to be identified in the Bible. So whatever has come has already been named, and it is known what man is and what he is not able to, excuse me, and it is known what man is and that he is not able to dispute with anyone stronger than he. The more words there are, the more vanity, and what is the advantage to man? For who knows what is good to man while he lives in the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow? For who can tell man what will be what will be of him after the sun? Um so what's the point here? The point is whatever has come has already been named. Like to be named is to be identified. So all these things, uh, basically what it's saying is God is sovereign over these things. That He's already set forth his plan and, and we're here to work as part of his plan. And what we do matters, but we really got to keep things in perspective. You know, um, what are we really doing? Are we really football coaches? Is that really the end game of all we're doing? Because ultimately when all this goes away, it doesn't exist anymore. When, when we're not, when, when Coach Gass and I retire when we're, what, 100? Is that when you're going to retire? Whenever God takes yeah, me. Yeah, so whenever we retire, um, none of this matters anymore. No one cares anymore how much how much how many games you won. No one cares how good your players were. You know, at the end of the day, you either impacted the world for Jesus Christ and you didn't. And you either made that type of lasting impact. Keller talks a lot about this, how we desire to have a lasting and a real impact on the world well if you want to do that it can only happen through jesus christ it doesn't happen by winning games it doesn't happen by getting kids real strong in the weight room although we know that matters and we know all these things somehow add up to you know in our program to the end game of building men for jesus christ but ultimately that's the end of the end of the matter so go back to psalm 127 1 it says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. And so the point, is, point there is, trust in God. You work your tail off and you trust in God. God gives to his beloved sleep. But, you know, here's the deal in our pride, like our pride as men and, and probably women are this way, too. But our pride says, I'm going to outwork everybody. I'm going to do this better than anybody else in the world. And, and so everything I touch is going to turn to gold. And so now I am at the center of everything. And it's me and it's me and it's me. In your pride, you want to be better than everybody else. In your pride, you want to outwork everyone. But here's the problem with that, because it makes you at the center of the universe and now you're serving yourself, and serving self leads to anxious toil, broken relationships, and worldly love. And when I talk about worldly loves, it's you seek relationships to get, not give. You're looking for something in a relationship that's going to benefit you, but that's not that's that's worldly love. Like I, everybody says, love, love, love. No, love is giving and serving people when they can't give you anything and you don't expect anything. And, and so <clears throat> that's the type of men that we want to become. We want to become men. And it's like, it's like Brett said, like, we, well, I'm going to use an example yesterday. A coach was in here uh, recruiting and he said, coach, 
how, why do you believe that you've had so much success uh, at Elka? And I was like, man, I, I said, I'm just lucky. You know, I'm in a good spot and uh, we have good talent. He says, no, but like, what do you think? And I said, I said, here's the deal, man. I said, I don't know why we have success. You know, I said, but Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds a house, you know, those who labor, labor in vain. I said, God is the center of our football program. I said, now, I don't believe that God gives us wins. I said, but God commands us to build men for Jesus Christ. And I believe this. I believe every single player that I coach and every parent that, that I deal with, they know that me building their son into a godly man and building him into a man at 27, 28, 38, 39, 50, that is the most important thing that we do in our football program. And I think that genuine love gets them to buy in and believe in what we're doing and they work and they rave about what we're doing at Eagles Land and Christian Academy. But it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with me allowing Jesus Christ to own our football program because let, let him build the house and trust in him in every single day uh, and even trusting in how we work. Lord, what are we supposed to do? What should I make them do in the weight room? What offense should we run? What defense should we run? How should we practice? Lord, show us Psalm 32, 8. Teach us and instruct us in the way that we should go. Now, I get off track. I get off track. But God, he brings me back. And he is the center of our football program. And Christ, as the center of your football program, he's holding it all together. He's keeping it all together. I'm not doing anything. I'm just Moses. I'm just allowing God to work through me. And I, when I'm in that state, if I, if I live in trusting in God, this is your program, God. I'm going to work, but I'm going to trust in you. Then I have peace. The problem is, is when it becomes my program and I lose trust in God and then I lose peace. One of the last things I'm going to say, I'm going to read from Proverbs 16, uh, verse 3, which um, Proverbs 16, all in all, is a great chapter. But uh, Proverbs 16, verse 3 says, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. It doesn't say commit your work to the Lord and you're, you will win. Does it say commit your work to the Lord and um, everything's going to be fine and dandy and no parents are ever going to get mad at you and you won't have to grade any more tests? Does it say that? Um, does it say commit your works to the Lord and he's going to bring you financial blessing? Like I see people talking about on Twitter. Well, I've been waiting for that. Oh, yeah? Have you? I've, been, I've committed my works to the Lord. There is no financial blessing yet, though. You haven't spoken it. I haven't spoken it. <laughs> um, but it says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. You know, he'll show you what your plans should be. You know, um, I don't know how long I'll work at Elka. It might be 100 years. It might be whatever. But whatever I'm doing, if I commit my work to the Lord, then he's going to establish my plans. He's going to take me. He's going to lead me. He's going to guide me. He's going to put me where he wants me. And uh, all I have to do is be faithful. I think I can speak for Coach Guest, too, you know. He feels obviously more pressure than we do to win and to do well and all this stuff. And you know, at Elka, you're not just supposed to win; you're supposed to beat everybody. You know, a hundred to nothing, or it wasn't good. But um, you know, I think when the pace loss happened, wasn't there a relief after that? You know, there was a relief of um, man, there's not as much pressure now. I don't have to like, you know, 
try to live up to something that's impossible anymore. Now it's just go to work and be a normal football coach again. Um, so I think expectations has, has to do a lot with that also. But anyway, that's off topic. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Yeah, no question, man. Um, yeah, there for for a season, for a moment, there the, the pressure was off. But then, you know, we're just we're just sinners, man. It goes back to we're sinners, and we instantly put the pressure back on ourselves to perform and and to do well. And shoot, and, I feel uh, pressure in the spring game. It don't even matter. I know, I I, I do as well, man. Uh, so, I um, mean, it's good and bad. You just gotta find find that balance and, and understand, everybody, we're, we're sinners. And and man, I'm the cheapest sinners. I'm messed up. But I am saved by the grace of God in each and every day, striving to become more and more like Jesus Christ uh, through prayer and being in God's Word and, and, and stuff like this, these podcasts. These are great for me. Um, just want to leave everybody with this because this is kind of where I always get to. Uh, Psalm uh, 139, 23, and 24. Uh, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And that's, I pray that all the time because, Lord, not for my glory, but for your glory. And there's such a fine balance. And, and there's my sinful flesh every day competing against for the glory. It's competing against the glory of God. And, and I'm living in this body of death. And so every day, every moment, Lord, is there any grievous way in me? Are, make, make my ways pure. Um, man, I don't, I don't want to be doing anything that grieves the Holy Spirit and grieves the Lord. I want to be a great servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and lead me in the way everlasting. So you got any final thoughts? No, good podcast, good words, thanks. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we come before you today. I just want to praise and thank you for loving us. Praise and thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, Lord. We praise and thank you, Lord, where, Lord, we were, we were miserable, wretched, unsavable people that had rebelled against you and you came and died to save us from ourselves. We were a people who constantly chased after our own glory and to build our own kingdom. We had rejected you. We hated God. But Lord, you opened up our eyes and our hearts to the truth of Jesus Christ and to the truth of who we are. And Lord, you have forgiven us for our sins. And not only have you forgiven us, your Holy Spirit comes inside of us and transforms us. Um, and Lord, while we are on this earth, we will fight this body of death every day. Lord, this body of death that we live in, it will chase after its own glory, Lord. But con Lord, we pray that you would keep us. Lord, keep our eyes upon you. And Lord, if we ever get off track, bring us back, uh, Lord, because we, we Our number one goal is to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ, to serve you with all of our heart and all of our soul. Lord, I pray for everybody listening out there. Lord, I, I pray that they would know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I pray, Lord, that if they know you, Lord, they would continue to grow in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that they would be shine as lights in this world in whatever it is that they're doing, Lord, whatever their profession is, wherever you have put them, that they would shine as lights for Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you and we pray you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.